Welcome to My Patriot Brain, the show that creates action potentials of patriotism. I'm your host, Dr. Robert Mather. Today is Monday, April 9th, 2023. I'm coming to you from behind the MPS Behavioral Science Analytics microphone. Thank you for downloading this episode. Major League Baseball Division leaders, Tampa Bay is undefeated at 9-0, leading the American League East. Minnesota's leading the American League Central. Los Angeles Angels and the Texas Rangers are tied for first in the American League West. Atlanta Braves are first in the National League East. Milwaukee Brewers are first in the National League Central. And Arizona and San Diego are tied for the lead in the National League West. It was Masters weekend on the PGA. Uh, there were rain delays uh, that held up play for a long time. There were trees that got, got uprooted and fell. Uh, There's an $18 million purse, uh, $3.24 million to the winner, which was the most ever in a Masters, for a Masters winner. Uh, the winner was John Rahm, who was 12 under. Uh, he was... When I say my favorite going into it, I had every opportunity to pick somebody who's going to win. I didn't pick him to win, but he was the one that I thought would might win and I wanted him to win. But that was more about being a fan of his than it was uh, anything to do with me pr- actually predicting him to win. Uh, so John Rahm was 12 under. Uh, Phil Mickelson and Brooks Kepka were eight under, uh, tied for second. Uh, Sam Bennett was a good story, the low amateur. He was uh, tied for 16th at minus at two under. Um Interesting about Bennett, uh, so the high amateur, it's professionals playing mostly, and then there's some amateurs that qualify, and they always give a, a trophy out to the, the low amateur the, in the tournament. Uh, Sam Bennett, um, who had his caddy, helping him out at, mas- at the Masters and finished 16th, which is incredible for an amateur, uh, has turned around and play uh, for his Texas A&M you know, college golf team today uh, and has to carry his own bag uh, on the college tournament. So it's interesting to go from a Masters at the highest level of professional in a major uh, and then turn around and, and play at a collegiate tournament. Uh, I don't know if he'll skip it um, because of everything that went on or if he'll play in it. I'm sure they've got other guys that can step in and play that tournament for him if he's not going to play it. But um, just shows you how far he came. And it was a beautiful scene of him walking down 18 um, in tears as the crowd was just roaring for him. Uh, and, of course, John Rahm you know, is, is, is a good guy. It's good to see him win, too. Uh, so Rahm played his collegiate golf for Phil Mickelson's brother. Remember, Mickelson finished second, I just told you, and Rahm won it. Um, Rom played collegiate golf for Phil Mickelson's brother, uh, and Phil Mickelson's brother was also um, Rom's agent at one point, and now is Phil's caddy. So that's probably a pretty cool moment that they got to share um, with Mickelson, who was Mickelson's 52 years old, and he shot a 65 and finished second in the Masters. That's really impressive. Um, and then I, I think it was probably a pretty cool moment that they had between the, the, the two Mickelson brothers and John Rom at some point uh, once the cameras got turned off. Uh, today, I want to talk about a concept related to regular empathy. So empathy has to do with how way, well we're able to perspective take and kind of feel the, the emotions and put ourselves in somebody else's shoes. Uh, it's very important. It has lots of good health benefits. It has benefits for um, really every interpersonal thing you can think of, uh, empathy does. But there's a new concept that's kind of teasing out some of the, the problems with empathy. So an empathy as, on its own is not necessarily a, a blanket um, solve all, cure all problem for everything. Um, there's a, a, another component to it in a new concept called parochial, parochial empathy. And so parochial have, is having limited or narrow outlook or scope, right? So it's narrow with something. So with parochial, parochial empathy, um, it, it plays on the idea that with, with empathy, it's more than just, can we empathize with somebody? Uh, we bring our stereotypes, our discrimination, our, 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 our cognitive biases, regardless of the group, uh, we bring those to the equation. And so we have an in-group bias for pretty much everything when it comes to social cognition. People that are similar to us or groups that are similar to us or that we find ourselves a member of, 
um, we favor that and then we you know don't favor the outgroups or we actively try to um, exclude the outgroups from things. Again, I'm, I'm speaking, you know, kind of transracially, right? We're not just talking about race. We're talking about any type of social category you can create. It's the same mechanism. Uh, and so we, we have an in-group bias for empathy, uh, and that creates this empathy bias um, where we tend to uh, not have empathy for those who are in outgroups or who are not in-group members. Uh, and so it's harder for us to have that empathy or compassion for groups that we don't relate to as well. And so one of the things about experimental studies show that we can predict uh, prejudicial attitudes and discriminatory behaviors um, based on this parochial empathy concept. Uh, it can be applied to lots of political things. I know if you're listening to this podcast, you're not just interested in psychology, but you're, uh, it's been shown to predict discriminatory behaviors towards illegal immigrants. Um, that's kind of the least of my um, interest in this. It has to, I'm more interested in the concept of it, but it does have applications to things that uh, you're probably interested in if you're uh, in, involved in politics. So one of the things that the parochial empathy research shows is that it's not enough to just in, increase empathy towards outgroup members. So that's typically been one of the main solutions with, uh, you know, when it comes to race uh, and other social categories is, is to, try to get people to empathize with the other group, the out group that they're um, trying to reduce prejudice towards. But that doesn't actually change attitudes that much. Uh, and they, they may incorporate their bias into the out group. So if you have biases of the out group, that's going to inform your ability to empathize with them. So if you think negative things about a group and you try to empathize with them, then you may think all these negative things and say, well, I don't have any, any uh, um, sympathy, which is a more emotional component for them because I think they're terrible people if it's a negative bias because that's the concept that you use that when you created your empathy, right? So if you're having, have empathy with a group that you don't know anything about other than the stereotype, well, that's not going to go very well. So parochial empathy is a very fascinating concept. I think it's a good step in the right direction, you know, completely apolitically. Uh, it's in the, a step in the right direction for the bias correction things, which for me, it's always about whatever the person wants to do to reduce their own biases and apply them at any particular time. So you can't catch all the biases you're going to have, but most of them don't matter. So you figure out which ones are important to you to not have, and then you, you correct them. Uh, but anyway, so that's, I wanted to introduce you all to that concept of parochial empathy, which is kind of cutting edge research in uh, stereotypes, discrimination and bias um, research in social cognition. Uh, now to the Patriot brain line, uh, listener Kelly in Alabama brought up a tweet from Jeff Charles, who is black. Um, about that, some of his experiences. And so this is, I'm going to read a tweet uh, from Jeff Charles. He said, when black people talk about racism, conservatives, not all, blow it off no matter what the evidence says. Many don't even exhibit any curiosity about what black folks experience. It gets dismissed as, as just being a victim or some other right-wing talking point. They would rather pretend the problems black folks talk about are just made up or part of some Democrat narrative. Sometimes this is the case, but often it is not. So when I see a conservative influencer complaining about the lack of white representation in commercials, it is difficult to take seriously. And so Kelly brought that up and wanted me to give kind of my take on that. Uh, you know, I, I have not been shy about the fact that the GOP does have a major PR problem when it comes to addressing actual racism. Uh, they let the Democrats control the narrative about G the GOP and their stance on things. Uh, they usually double down on color blindness, um, which makes it look like they don't um, acknowledge, and many conservatives may not acknowledge actual racism that occurs. Uh, that's different than saying everything that BLM or somebody else uh, says is true. 
Um, but recognize, you know, there's, there's a middle ground, right? You've got to figure out where the actual problems are. And then there's the boy who cried wolf who's screaming all these other things about racism and making everything racism. And that's ridiculous, but there is real stuff out there. Uh, and you can't solve the real problems if you've got other people screaming that everything's a problem. Um, you know, kind of an example. So in, in, in Charles's, I, I definitely understand where Charles is coming from there. I think he probably articulated that pretty well. Uh, I, it would not have been received as well by me if he hadn't put the not all in parentheses about conservatives. Um, but yes, that's a problem that, the, that many GOP and conservatives have um, with that. I'll give you an example of the uh, Latino film festival that, that I'm a part of, and I'm, I'm Hispanic, and, and I have not been very um, you know, tied to my, my roots uh, in that um, kind of ethnic background. Um, but I, I've spent some time with the, uh, with the Latino Film Festival here in Oklahoma City. And I've moderated panel discussions with filmmakers and other things. And I always bring up the fact that I said, you know, it's, it's extremely powerful to me to watch a video or watch a movie where the plot line and the people and the characters and the actors in there look like me. And that, you know, the little girl who something happens to looks like my daughter. It's much more powerful, right? There's a, a general human element when you watch something like that. And uh, to any other human, something happening bad, something happening good, th th there's an element that's, that's always there. But then when it's more similar to you in that role, uh, then it's even more, uh, more powerful in that regard. And so I think that's kind of an example of it. You know, it's not about, it's, it's about the importance of seeing people like us, whatever the social group is, even ignore race and put other groups in there. It's about the importance of seeing people like us, but not, not unseeing the other groups, right? It's not about, it's about representation, not exclusion. You know, it's about if there are 10 commercials on, you know, there's maybe a person who looks like you and uh, as part of one of the commercials, right? It's not necessarily like all of the commercials need to not have the majority group or not have something else or any other things, right? And Democrats ob obviously take that to the extreme by trying to even the score in their minds, whether it's race or whether it's Christianity or whatever it is they try to exclude and ruin. Um, that's what Democrats try to do. Uh, and that's not the conservative way. Um, but inclusion, it doesn't mean everything needs to be included, right? Um, I won't get into where I think lines ought to be drawn. That doesn't mean everything needs to be included, but it certainly means that inclusion should mean there's more people represented, um, but not necessarily there's a quota on this many or that many or a percentage that you have to have or anything like that, but just that there's more people represented. Um, this goes back to the parochial empathy that we just talked about. Uh, you know, at best, the people that Charles has a problem with are conservatives that have parochial empathy and they can't empathize with what it might be like to not ever see yourself on anything. Uh, or anybody like you. Um, those who are def who defensively put themselves in the shoes of the target group uh, end up saying, nah, it's fine. They're just whining about nothing. Uh, and that's not the case either. Uh, and so I, I think it really gets back to um, having, you know, a, a more clear understanding of other groups and what they may want uh, and not listening to um, all the uh, kind of chaotic voices that sometimes uh, muddy up the waters of the real issues. Uh, thank you, Kelly, for sending me that. It was interesting. Look forward to hearing your thoughts and anybody else's. Uh, uh, message me on the Patriot Brain Line. Voice message through Spotify for podcasters. Message me through True Social or email me at the email address listed on my website, theconservativesocialpsychologist.com. Independent podcasts thrive with private investments that offset the time and financial costs of equipment, software, writing, producing, editing, and on-air talent. Please consider supporting My Patriot Brain with a small monthly donation. You can use the support button on the Spotify for podcasters podcast page or the support this podcast URL in the show description on your other listening platforms. Thank you for listening. We're strong together.
And now it's time for my closing thoughts. I've said this numerous times, but conservatives in the GOP do not handle race well. As a group, the colorblind mentality that can work fine on an individual level leads to the dismissal of real race-related slights that occur. As a result, conservatives, liberals, progressives, and independents all end up talking past each other on racial issues. Usually they are yelling past each other. In the past, I've called for the I've called for people to rein in the current DEI initiatives and to acknowledge the legitimate tenets of multicultural education from 20 years ago. I've also called for conservatives to take a deeper, more empathetic look at the race issues brought up by the non-crazy and non-race hustler minority voices who have something important to tell all of us. Put your defenses down, conservatives. I'm not scolding anyone. I'm simply reminding all of us that there are real race issues to be dealt with, and it is impossible to do so if the chicken little sky is falling race hustlers drown out the voices that need to be heard. So I urge you to have empathy and an open mind and listen to the voices that need to be heard on this. Don't let the 90% of complete BS drown out the essence of a legitimate problem that needs to be solved. And don't let 90% of BS fraudulently claim minorities as their own voices. Listen carefully to the right people. Till I catch you next time, play hard and have fun. Listen to my podcast, My Patriot Brain on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Audible. Follow me on Parlor and True Social. Check out my other content at theconservativesocialpsychologist.com.